Have you heard the birds sing, the trees breathe, and the rain fall? The stories we tell ourselves are what create our reality. Hi, I'm Julia, your host, and you're listening to Terra Stories, the podcast that will awaken your mind to new perspectives, to reconnect to yourself, to nature, and to become an actor of change in tomorrow's world. Natalie Sifuma grew up in Nairobi and spent most of her childhood living close to the Arboretum, an oasis near the city center. It was here that she first had a love for trees, but it wasn't until she started working with a storytelling firm in 2017 that she found a creative way to connect with people, places, and begin using stories to share information. In January, Natalie visited the Nairobi Arboretum on her way to work, and this inspired her to write the story that she's going to tell you. Travel to the Nairobi Arboretum with Natalie Sifuma, a communications guru, and go through her childhood memories, her deep and colorful vision of nature that surrounds her, and her deep connection to trees. Hello, my name is Natalie Sifuma. I am a Kenyan communications specialist. I appreciate the power of stories and I am here today to share with you a story. A Stroll Through the Arboretum by Natalie Sifuma. The other day I walked through the Nairobi Arboretum on my way to work. I wanted to recall the first time I walked in the city's oldest botanical garden. I was unable to conjure the memory. I must have tucked it away for safekeeping. But the first thing that piqued my curiosity was the lack of roundness in the figures of the entry and filming fees. The kind man who received my payment at the entrance said it was because of tax. I didn't dwell on this, even when I began my walk through the east walkway of the park taking in the sight of the exuberant green canopies and how they let the sunlight's rays spew through their leaves. It was minutes before I came upon spotted gum trees. Their ashy backs and arrow-like posture were hard to miss, and a memory came to mind. The collection of spotted gums that usually greeted me whenever I opened my curtains in the morning. I was seven or eight at the time, and there was a front line of them, even though the first row of trees didn't stand in a straight line. They looked serious, in the natural way trees usually do, valiantly protecting the periphery of the Nairobi Arboretum within the State House compound. Around that time, my mother usually took me for walks in the Arboretum. I became familiar with jacaranda trees that were popular for their purple rain towards the end of the year, the acacia blossoms that decorated nature's green with their yellow flowers, and the red flame trees that usually looked like they were bleeding from a broken heart. At home, 
I'd also become used to running into velvet monkeys that crept into our house if we left our window open, and the four-toed hedgehogs that would often scurry from one end to the other of our backyard. There were also the countless bird species that stole my attention when I was riding my bicycle in the estate, and the coterie of butterflies that fluttered softly around, dancing to the beat of the wind. They'd all found a home in the 65-acre arboretum within the years after 1907, when the site was still a project in its early stages, but liked to wander to the surrounding Kilimani area. Arboretum had once been a stone-filled wasteland, a plot of disinterest on the fringes of Government House, the building that was the official residence of the Governor of British East Africa and which would later become the country's state house. It was given to the Railways Forest Conservation Project, and under the stewardship of Edward Batsicombe, successfully grew into an exotic softwood repository that would supply trees to fuel the Uganda Railway. I came to a junction. The main gate was to my left, a longer walkway to my right, and across from me was a narrower path. The science beside it directed me to an old stone house where H.M. Gardner once lived. He'd taken over as chief conservator of forests in 1928 and the arboretum underwent significant modification. From a policy that pushed for the increased presence of indigenous shrubs and trees to the growth of ornamental exotics. For a long time during his 19-year tenure, new plants were introduced in the oasis annually. It may have helped that Gardner lived in the stone house that stood next to the arboretum, what is today the tree center, and was fully immersed in the implementation of this tree planting manifesto. All this while, the arboretum continued to supply firewood for the railway until 1952, when diesel engines were introduced. There was hope for the longevity of the arboretum now that more trees would be spared. But when independence came a little over a decade later, so began the slow decline of this green oasis. The forest department, which was charged with the arboretum, gave little priority to it. And by the 70s, maintenance became impossible due to insufficient funding from the government. It transformed into a neglected woodland, one that no public or private company tried to claim which is quite uncommon where green spaces in Nairobi are concerned, but I'd bet it was because of the proximity to the president's official residence. As I neared the main door to Gardner's former house, I saw the sign I'd been looking for, Friends of the Nairobi Arboretum, F-O-N-A. The group whose humble beginnings date back to 1993, when botanist Anne Burney rallied some of Nairobi's most frustrated residents and environmentalists to rehabilitate the site to its former glory, and so began its renovation into a botanical garden. Fauna's enthusiasm for management and protection of the city's forest culminated in the site's gazettement as a national reserve in 1996. A year later, a functional management board was formed to aid Fauna in its mandate of aiding in environmental conservation and education, culture and recreation, and science and research. There was no one from the Fauna office, but I picked a nature pamphlet on my way out. 
it had an assortment of illustrations and names of flora and fauna in the arboretum. And as I walked past the gate, then past the Girl Guides Association of Kenya, State House Primary School, and the State House Health Center, I took note of how within just a few steps, I was ushered back into the reality that makes up most of the city. Concrete walls here, the black smoke from a clean water truck's exhaust pipe there, and that familiar city noise. I was back in Nairobi's chaos. But if I took a few steps back, the feeling of serenity that had started to dissipate would return fully and the noise would be trapped in the arboretum's gates, metallic rails, or in the branches of the trees that stood at the garden's perimeter. I could have gone back and recalled those memories of my childhood by sight, sound, and smell, but I had to go to work. The podcast is coming to an end. Thank you so much for listening. You can find Terra Stories on Instagram at terrastories.studio and on LinkedIn. If you liked the episode, talk about it around you, share it with your friends. That's the thing that would give the biggest boost to the podcast. And don't hesitate to write me about the topics or personalities you'd like me to invite or address. I wish you a beautiful day or evening. 